all the games I used to play in my younger wilder days. The game of clubs and tees had never crossed my mind. But after some discussion with my closest, dearest friends, I decided that I'd give it one good try. Welcome into another episode of the Turn Fantasy Golf Podcast. My name is Andrew Poor. Go by Andrew Putters. And we have an exciting show ahead. We got my usual partner Joe Nicely from Rotoballer.com and his and his cohort from the website Spencer from uh, T Off Sports. Is that right? T Off Sports isn't that the handle? Yep, T Off Sports. There we go. All the way from uh, the hot Las Vegas, Nevada. Joe Nicely. Let's first get one thing out of the way. Rotoballer.com Masters Week. What we got? Yeah, man, we got everything. Uh, we got a PGA DFS research station. We got a course breakdown that Josh Bennett's doing. Uh, Spencer can talk a little bit about his Vegas report that's on fire. Uh, we got a core four. We got a bobble over there talking about every player in the field. So we got everything you need over at Roto Baller. Head over there now. Um, you can sign up for the rest of the season for 69 bucks. Use promo code NICE or use promo code TOFF. Uh, we also have weekly passes. If you just want to check us out for the Masters, you can definitely do that. But we hope you go there and check it out. Uh, lots of great free content as well. And we're going to get you through the Masters this week. So, we, like I said, we got we got a uh, guest on, our gambling expert from Las Vegas, Nevada, born and bred, Spencer Tioff Sports. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. It's a pleasure to do your show. It's been a long time coming, I feel like. So, you know, thank you for having me on here, and it should be a good show for the Masters. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Uh, cannot wait. Favorite week of the year by far for golf. Not even close. Spring is finally here. In the south, we get birds chirping, sun's up. You get the dew in the mornings. That's just a great feeling, I think. So, But first, we got to take care of last week. We got to talk about last week, guys. Uh, big week uh, for a couple of things. Number one. We cannot just move right over Jordan Spieth. Uh, we've said he's been back, but he is back. What are we thinking, guys? Is he back? Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt, man. Uh, we've talked about him a lot on this show, um, that he's back. We we feel like we jumped on early in the year. Um, we saw some great grounds from him, and everything came together last week at Valero, uh, which we thought was really possible. And, you know, you feel like he's back because of the iron play. Um, this isn't a fluky, make tons of putts, chipping tons of things in. Um, it's done on the strength of his iron play, and, and his irons are firing like we hadn't seen really since 2017, uh, the last time he was in the winner's circle. So it makes you makes you think it's real, makes you think it's sustainable, um, and makes you really excited for this week. Yeah. yeah so, go ahead. Go ahead, Spencer. No, sorry about that. Um, you know, like Joe and I were talking before the show got started here and, and Spieth's performance, like, you know, we'll get into the DraftKings pricing and everything, not to fast forward the show here, but, you know, Spieth is going to be probably the most popular player on the board now based off of what he's done. And, you know, Joe and I were having discussion of, you know, what that does, you know, like, should, should we be buying into this? What, what is, what are our expectation level behind this? And it's like, look, Augusta's where Spieth has always performed at. He won here in 2015. He should have won here in 2016. In 2017, he came 11, 2018, third. And, and when we look at his results of what he's done recently, like he has top tens just littered across the board. He has his fourth at the Waste Management, third at Pebble Beach, fourth at the API, uh, obviously now the first at Valero. And Joe's 100% correct. The, the irons are what would make me believe that this is real. So 
you know, this isn't a fluke. Spieth is going to be here to stay at this point. And, you know, I, I like him for the Masters this week. I think that uh, we'll get into discussing his price a little bit later on. But you have to like what you see from him at this moment. Yeah, so just going away from stats alone, uh, you, you guys are the stat guys. I'm the, I'm the field player here. It just feels good with Spieth peeing it back on the game. You know, I think one writer said this week that really with Jordan, all you, all he needs to do is for his ball striking to not get him in trouble and let his 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 uh, sportsmanship and his will to win take over, along with his short game. Undeniably, a short game uh, is uh, the best uh, when it's when he when he's on. So. Yeah, I cannot wait. Uh, that's that's the number one announcement. Or one thing we can't just move over. I think I had Chris Kirk at top five this weekend on my heart play. Joe Corey Connors, uh, he's top twenty. What he maybe seventeenth somewhere in there. Don't yeah, know exactly. yeah, he was in there. He was in but, there. But uh, big announcement for the Brook, our home club. Joe Ryan Hall takes down the what did I call it earlier, the Haskins Award. Yeah, it? the Haskins. Haskins Award winning the tournament in Augusta, uh, right down the street from Augusta National, actually winning in a playoff, which earned him an exemption to the 3M Open. Hey, I hear there's a place to stay up there. We know a guy that lives not too far from the course. Uh, might be it might be host home material. We're calling him out on the, on the show. Host home material, just swish. So, uh, um, but no, congratulations, Ryan Hall. We'll look into trying to get him on here. It shouldn't be too hard. Hopefully, we'll get him on the show soon. Talk about that uh, that playoff win and oh man, it's awesome. It's it's a great great feats for a local kid, uh, junior junior at the University of South Carolina, Ryan Hall. Great talent. So, y'all ready to talk about the Masters or what? Yes, I'm good to go. Okay, here we go. So, one thing we can't get by is what about this sweet hat we got got on here, Joe? Uh, it's master tribute to the masters. You can get it for us. Uh, just DM, um, the, at the golf pod or at the, the, excuse me, the turn golf pod, uh, at, on Twitter. And, um, and, uh, we'll get you one man, $25 plus shipping. We'll get to you. There's limited. Yeah, we're, uh, we're also, we don't want to forget Andrew. We're also doing a giveaway. Um, you can enter all this week. You can uh, go to our Twitter account to uh, find out the rules on that. You just subscribe to the YouTube channel and just reply to the tweet, and we'll get you entered into the contest. Uh, we'll pull a winner out next week. That's right. So we usually start just at the top of the board. Well, for, well, we usually start with the course. So nothing, nothing's changed since the fall, guys. This is the same Augusta we saw then. Uh, unofficial yards about seventy five hundred, a little under seventy five hundred. We know we got lightning flat, fast greens. We don't even know how what they measure because they won't they won't tell the public. Uh, this is, I mean. If, if, if you follow golf at all, you know Augusta National. So we'll skim right over that, get straight into uh, DraftKings, guys. Um, so up top, um, I mean, I guess we'll have to break these down in, in two groups. Well, yeah, we will because pricing is usually so spread out in this major tournament, especially with the limited field that we have here at Augusta and uh, and the odd, um, you know, um, cut, cut system they have here. So DJ, Rom. DeChambeau up top, 11-5 to 10-8. This is the who's who. You, I feel like you've got con- Mr. Consistency, a guy that can win any time. What you said earlier, Joe, before we got on here, the high ceiling with the lowest floor. Joe, you go first on these top three. Yeah, man, I, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. Um, you know, can't go wrong with any of these three. Um 
I feel like Rom comes in with the least amount of concerns or questions around his game right now. He's just been ultra consistent. Um, his game strokes tee to green in every start since last August. Um, it, it doesn't come much more consistent than that. Um, it's played extremely well at Augusta. Uh, we, we know that a major's coming at some point for him. Um, kind of the, the only concern with Rom was, was the baby, uh, coming and the baby came over the weekend. So congratulations to the Roms uh, on a little boy. So that kind of tossed that concern out the window. When you, when you start getting into DJs, the defending champion won here in record breaking fashion back in November at 20 under par. Um, but hadn't looked great lately. Uh, one over in Saudi to kind of kick off the year, but only one top 10 and four us starts this year. Um, we know that he can flip the switch, but DJ's kind of looked un-DJ locked so far this year. And then you mentioned Bryson DeChambeau, man. Uh, we were talking before the show, and I feel like he's got the highest ceiling of anybody in this tournament. Uh, as far as just being able to go out and dominate this week, um, he can do it. Um, but I also think that when you start looking at 10K and above, he's probably got the lowest floor of these guys. Um, definitely feels like you're gambling a little bit with Bryson, but pay off big time if you want to go there. Uh, Spencer, give me your thoughts on these three guys. I, I don't feel like you can go wrong. Uh, Rom feels safe. Bryson feels like you're grabbing a ton of upside. And DJ feels like maybe if a defending champ can be a sleeper, DJ's maybe a little bit of a sleeper, Spencer. Yeah, I mean, I, I would probably let ownership dictate what I'm going to do. Like if I'm playing a single entry or a three max here, I might be more willing to go down the, the chalky road that's going to be Rom. I think if you're playing in the million make millionaire maker, you know, Dustin is probably going to be the least owned of the three. I Rom is going to probably carry about 15% Dustin, you know, 12, 13 and Rom right now is trending at about 17, but I would say that your assessment of it's pretty spot on. I mean, the one thing I would add to it is that I don't think it affects these three guys as much as some of the other people in the tournament. But when we last saw this played, it was in October we got much softer conditions, the record, the tournament record score of 20 under par from Dustin. Uh, I'm not going to, I mean, I don't really have any skepticism from that from him, but some of these guys making their second appearance here where their first appearance, they got the soft conditions. You know, I, I think that that's maybe something to look into. I'd expect the course to be fiery fast, uh, stroke scan around the green, three putt percentage, all those things are going to come into play. I run a model that essentially is a two-year sample size of data. And, you know, the further the year gets into uh, play, the more I play this year than the year before. But Rom is the number one player for me in my model pretty much whenever I run things. As you said, Joe, Bryson DeChambeau has the upside to crack this and run away with the tournament, I would think. But when we look at his results, he hasn't done that here in the past. He has a 34th in 2020, a 29th in 2019. And in his other two appearances, he didn't crack the top 20. So, you know, I, I think something has to be said about he doesn't get to use his green book here. We know he's real scientific with it. Maybe that's something that has uh, come to hurt him. Maybe he's trying for too much distance. And then, as you mentioned with Dustin Johnson, his form leading into this is not quite what it was in October. He hasn't come in the top 25 in the last three tournaments. His performance at the Genesis where he came eighth, he probably should have won that and didn't exactly look right. And at least on Saturday and Sunday with that. And then when we look at his putting, he's 71st in his last 24 rounds here or in general, and then uh, 52nd in scrambling in my data. And then the one thing that always surprises me, he's just not scoring on par fives. And 
at Augusta, you have to score on the par fives and, you know, avoid bogeys on the par fours. And I worry a little bit about Dustin from that, but he's such an elite talent. He can turn it around at any point. Yeah. I, I love the fresh information here. You're spending at us. Stat after stat after stat. I like it. Uh, you know, as for me on every week, if I had to play a player here, it's going to be DJ because he's just been a, uh, he's been a machine, a top 10 machine here. Uh, you know, it seems like uh, I remember sitting with Joe on the couch several years in a row being like, man, if DJ just had made like three 10 footers on the back nine, he wins by two shots at Augusta. And, uh, but he's always going to be there. But at the same time, you're paying 11 five. Uh, you probably could get better options by, taking some of that money and spending it elsewhere. Moving down the next three guys, JT, Rory, Xander, this interesting group because you're getting three great, great talents at a discount compared to the first three. Arguably the best player in the world, JT, uh, or the ability to be the best player. We know the best talent in the world, Rory McIlroy, who's been there twice on Sunday and can't get it done. Xander waiting to break through on a major. What we had on these three guys? You go first, first time this time, Spencer. Uh, you know, this might be an unpopular opinion. I kind of like Xander in this spot. I, I think the consensus around him is, is that he's not playing very good golf. And I wouldn't necessarily say that is the truth behind it. Like when we look at what he did at the match play, he loses in the sudden death playoff to Scheffler there. The miscut at the players is something that I'm not necessarily going to count against him. I think. That tournament is extremely volatile. You get to hold number 17 there. Guys are going into the water left and right. And, and sure, the 39th at the WGC concession isn't exactly what you would be looking for. But I think we're getting a discount from him. We're going to have the least ownership uh, in, in, that, in this range, at least. Uh, Rory is always interesting in every tournament. His, his history at the Masters is about as good as it can be without a win. The one thing that would worry me is if this tournament does play fast, he hasn't won a tournament in his career at 12 under par or worse. Or I guess he's won at 12 under par. He hasn't won at worse than 12 under par. Uh, so that would scare me a, a little bit if I'm trying to, you know, figure out exactly what I want to do with him. That's not to say he, we've seen him win tournaments before where he's 12 under par and the rest of the tournaments like five under par with it. So it, it's not to say that he can't, but I don't think this version of Rory is as good as it was a couple years ago. And then, yeah, I mean, Justin Thomas has the potential to dominate just like Bryson does. Uh, he hasn't always putted well at Augusta. He was 84th of 87 players here in 2019. That would be my one concern. But when we look at his progression at this tournament, he's bettered it every single year. And, you know, last year he came in fourth. So, you know, first, second or third seems to be where we're moving with this. And Thomas has as much upside as anybody that's probably not named Bryson DeChambeau. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Spencer, um, especially about JT. I think the upside's there. We, we've seen him get nuclear hot with the irons uh, at, at concessions and at the players uh, in route to that big victory. Um, you can say a lot of things about Augusta. Uh, obviously, they need to score on the par fives. Obviously, they need to scramble well. Um, but I, I think it comes down to being a second shot golf course, um, kind of in the grand scheme of things. Uh, approach plays very indicative of success there. And JT in the last three years uh, ranks first uh, in strokes gained approach and first in greens in the regulation uh, in the last three masters. So 
I think JT certainly feels like the safest play to me, uh, right along with Rom uh, above 10K, and you do also have that that kind of dominating upside. Roy's very intriguing, uh, and Xander as well. I like I like where you're at with Xander Spencer. Um, it feels like he was really chalky back in November, if I'm remembering correctly. A lot of people were on that bandwagon, and it doesn't seem like folks are there this week. Um, so it's maybe an ownership play for me with Xander, the type of guy that can just do everything well. Uh, we saw him finish runner up here in 2019. Uh, had a T17, I believe, in November and didn't really play all that well. Um, so we know he can handle this golf course. Uh, I, I, I'm with you on his miscut at the players, putting very, very little stock in that. Uh, and then Rory, the, you know, obviously had a horrible performance at the players, horrible performance at the match play. Um, but he's played unbelievably well here. Uh, three top fives and three top tens in his last seven master starts. Uh, hasn't won it, as you mentioned, but this place brings out the best in him. So JT, uh, I would feel comfortable, you know, in pretty much any format this week, whereas Rory and Xander, I'm going to keep an eye on ownership. Um, and, and we'll consider those guys in GPPs. Well, guys, that's a lot of information for those top six guys, but I'll just like every other week, I'm putting a line in the sand below Xander, and this is where I'm starting my lineup right here. These next few, Patrick Cantlay, Morikawa, Spieth, Reed, who knows if Kepka's playing, uh, Finau, and Webb Simpson. This is where the money's going to be divided up in this group of guys right here. And... Uh, I think we're, we've we've already hit on speed a little bit. We can talk more. I mean, uh, it, it's possible in these uh, in these single entry tournaments. He's going to be 50 percent owned, right, guys? Yeah, he's he's going to go huge ownership. Um, I'm seeing him at seeing him at around twenty five right now, um, which is the highest on the slate. Um, so yeah, Andrew, I think you're right. You you start looking in cash games, uh, single entry stuff. He's he's going to be way up there. Um, he's going to grab not only kind of the hardcore DFS guys, but he's also going to grab a ton of the casual fans this week. So his, his ownership's just going to skyrocket. Um, and Spencer and I were talking earlier. Um, we feel like Spieth's game is there, and, and it feels like you want to roster Spieth. Um, but you kind of almost feel like in, in a tournament like the Millie Maker, uh, where almost the, that pendulum's almost swung to the point where you want you you start wanting to consider fading him maybe uh just because the ownership is getting up there so high i believe he'll play well um i believe he is back i would like to see him play well uh, but just kind of from a game theory standpoint um you, you might want to start considering a fade in in these huge field gpps um tell me a little bit about your thoughts on speed spencer uh it's kind of what everybody's talking about right now we'll get into the rest of these nines but but give me your thoughts on speed man yeah, I, you know, I think you're kind of spot on with that. It's going to come down to what kind of contests you're playing. And, you know, if you read my articles that I write here for like the DraftKings pieces and stuff, like I'm usually the first person that'll jump off the bandwagon of somebody who's extremely popular for the week. Like I'm always trying to go the contrarian route whenever possible with it, but it's just hard with speed. Like his form looks so good right now. The irons are dialed in his short game for Augusta is exactly what you're hoping to find. Like, you know, the victory has made this a lot more difficult. I think before the victory, you could take a guy like Cantley, you could take a guy like Reed. A lot of those options would have carried a bunch of ownership also. And and don't get me wrong, they're still going to carry their fair share of ownership. But Spieth is, has jumped into this 25% plus range in a lot of contests. Then, 
you know, if we're talking about a millionaire maker where if we have 25% of people on him, like, I don't know if it makes sense from a game theory standpoint, like I'd almost rather just look, you know, pick somebody else, hope for the best and maybe play speed in cash games or play speed in single entries or, or things of that nature. But this is not one of the spots where I think this is bad chalk. Like this feels like good chalk to me and somebody I am going to find a way to have exposure to this week, but it's going to have to come in the right situations. So, so uh, are, we, are we talking that we can take this to one of two ways? One is we go ahead and just take bite the bullet, play speed and hope we get the right lineup or we uh, don't take him at all and hope he finishes 12th. And that kind of where we're at. Yeah. I, you know, I'll let Spencer uh, kind of chime in on this, but I almost feel like if I almost feel like you got to make a stand. Um, if you're going to play play speed, you've almost got to be, I don't want to say all in, but you've almost got to be overweight in comparison to the field on speed. I feel, uh, you know, if you're in, you, you better get in all the way. And, and if not, uh, you want to, you want to be very underweight. Uh, it's almost one of those things where, you know, you can't be halfway in or halfway out. You kind of got to make a decision on Jordan speed this week. Um, Am I wrong in that line of thinking, Spencer? Uh, just just get way overweight or way underweight? No, I think I couldn't have said it better myself. I mean, that's exactly how you want to be thinking about this. It's one of those spots where it's like, if you're going to play him one out of every four lineups and you're just hovering around what the public consensus is, there, there's no point in that. Like, you're just, you're, 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 I don't want to say you're creating dead money into it because you're not, but you're not, you're not leveraging ownership the way that you should be like, I'm either playing him to where it's like, okay, let's completely fade him and play him at like 0% or let's pick him in like 60, 70% of lineups and just go wild with it and try to find all the combinations possible. And like, it's a good point that you made. That's something you can do in the millionaire maker. If you're like maxing out that contest, look, if you want to play 60% speed in that, like, I'm not going to talk anybody out of that. I think that's a realistic path to go. I just don't like fitting, you know, within a couple percent of what the projected ownership is. I don't think you get anything out of that. I, I think it's too difficult to try to find the optimal or the optimum situation here, or the optimum lineup that you're trying to have. So, yeah, I, I think you're a 100% spot on with that. I think it just comes down to how much do you like and how aggressive or conservative do you want to be in the situation? Could not have said it better myself, guys. I usually lean more to the if I'm going to go all in on somebody, I usually put them in about 80%. But, uh, and you know, I I'm, I was talking up Spieth when he wasn't making whenever he was finishing 45th. So I don't know what to do here. But I will say one thing about the Masters here, and, and this is going to be in the 9K and above range, guys. One thing about the Masters every year is there's always one to two guys that are like playing terrible and somehow are right there on Sunday. Uh, and what I mean by they play terrible up to the, the week of the Masters. And I, and, and I, when I say terrible, I mean hasn't been in it. And I'm going to name three names here. In the most recent form, you're like, man, something's not right. Xander, Cantlay, top five Tony. Something hadn't been right in their game in the last, say, month and a half. Uh, you know, their finishes and things like that. But one of those names is going to be right there on Sunday, I feel like. Uh, just Just an observation using history with that, you know. Um, you know, we, we saw a little bit of that with Lee Westwood uh, out of net nowhere, you know, at, at the players. You know, the players is well known for having uh, people come out of nowhere to be up there at the leaderboard. And, you know, I guess is a funny place, right? I mean, guys that uh, shouldn't be in there, all of a sudden, boom, they're there on Sunday. So uh, let's move on down in the 8K uh, range. Uh, Hatton, Westwood, Hovland. 
Sanjay, Berger, Scheffler, Matsuyama, bunch of names to love here, guys. All the way down to Fleetwood, uh, Fitzpatrick, Cam Smith. Bunch of names to love right, love right here. Some have got great history in this tournament. Some do uh, do not have great history. One name that sticks out to me, uh, tied for second, um, and I think if the course plays faster, it'll help him, Sanjay M. Uh, tied for second in the fall. Your guys, give me your thoughts on this group of guys. Joe, you go first. Um, yeah, man, uh, uh, just to kind of touch on there, right above 9K, uh, Brooks Kepka, tons of questions with him. That's that, that's something I think we'll just have to kind of have to keep an eye on as the week progresses. Um, certainly a high-risk, high-reward play there. And, and you mentioned Tony, man, uh, at 9-1 there. Um, has been a beast at the Masters. Hasn't looked great in his last couple of starts, but I'm hoping um, that puts a dent in his ownership. Maybe gets us a little under the radar there with Tony. Um, I, I was all in in November, and I'll be going back to that well, um, even though there are the win equity concerns. Um, but, yeah, man, as you start getting down into the eights, Andrew, as you mentioned, a lot of interesting guys. Um, some maybe not a great course fit. Some maybe with kind of questionable recent form, some with a little or bad course history. So there's a lot to dig into there in the eights. Uh, Hatton has yet to crack the code at Augusta National, even though he's played well basically everywhere else um lee westwood we know experience matters on this golf course i think course history is very important this week uh westwood's a two-time runner up here uh had a runner up the players runner up the api um so i think you can certainly look at westwood although i was a little surprised by this uh price tag pretty stout price tag and and what's an otherwise really soft scale um hovland we know is a beast uh there's concerns there for the short game with me um, that kind of circles back up to Colin Morikawa. Similar concerns with him. I love the ball striking, but uh, do worry about the lack of experience and the kind of come and go short game with those two. Sungjae, um, I was surprised by the runner up in November. Honestly, um, kind of bucked a lot of trends there. wasn't in great form coming in. Uh, in his Masters debut, which is this place is notoriously tough on first timers, guys. Um, so I was surprised by Sungjae in November, and I'm probably a little bit lower on Sungjae than most this week. Um, he's actually been pretty spotty ball striking and around the green uh, in, in his last few starts. His numbers are lower around the green than we've seen them in quite a while. So I'm worried about this week, that this week, where scrambling is going to be important. Berger, uh, he's just a, just a workhorse man. You know, you, you guys both know that I really like Daniel Berger. Um, a grinder, consistent. You lock him on firm and fast courses. He's played well in his previous trips to Augusta. Um, so they're in that range. Berger's sticking out to me, uh, even though I always like Coblin and, and I'm intrigued by Westwood. Uh, give me your thoughts there, Spencer, and and talk about some guys as we get on down the 8Ks. Yeah, I mean, if we start this with Terrell Hatton, I, I would say that you're going to have to make a decision here. His form has been awful at Augusta. Uh, he has a miscut, a 56th, a 44th, and a miscut. You know, what that means to you, you're going to have to decipher on it. I, I don't really want to buy into that. I, I understand he's a top player in the world. It can turn around. That's not necessarily something I'm trying to buy into. Uh, Lee Westwood at 8,800. I agree with you, Joe. I'm very surprised at this price tag. You know, based off of a, of a price standpoint here, he's one of the most overrated guys for me in my model. It doesn't mean that he doesn't have potential. You know, we saw him come second here in 2016. He's had a couple other, you know, pretty good runs here recently at the tournament. But that's not necessarily the path I want to go down either. 
you touched on the Hovland situation. His short game will always worry me when it comes to a really firm, fast test. We kind of saw that at concession to an extent, like he competed there. He almost won the tournament, but he put up some really big numbers and I don't think it's as easy to make birdies at the masters. Like you're going to be doing most of your scoring opportunities on the par five. So if he's finding mistakes and his short game falls apart, it's not that I'm not going to play him. I just think that it's a, it's a tough spot to go to. Uh, Sungjae, as you mentioned, his irons have been off. I think, as you said, he bucked the trend a little bit with his second place finish. Like we haven't seen a guy win the masters in their first try since fuzzy Zeller in 1979. He almost did it. I think the soft test probably helped him out. Maybe the firmness helps him, as you said, Andrew, but I don't know. The irons are going to have to be there. And then if I'm, trying to find two guys that I really like here. I also like Daniel Berger. To me, he's a top 10 player in the world every single week. He's underrated by the public. Uh, you know, in the betting market, there's places in Vegas where you can find find him as high as 48 to one. Uh, I worry that his short game could jeopardize his chances a little bit. We've seen him around the green struggle here and there. We've seen him with uh, a bad three putt percentage here and there, but you know, for the price tag you're getting, you're getting a lot of upside there. And then the one name that I just keep finding myself going to is Cameron Smith at 8,200. You have the second here uh, last year. And for as much as you want to maybe pick some holes into what that was, you also have the fifth place in 2018. And, and when I like, when we look at his recent form, he has three top 20 finishes in his last four tournaments. Uh, if we look at him from, you know, a metric standpoint, he's 11th around the green in his last 24 rounds. He's 19th on par three average, which I don't know. I mean, you're going to have to like not mess up the par threes. And he's the number one par five scorer this year. Like I ran a weighted model for him where he's seventh in par five birdie or better percentage. And that's just incorporating some of the stats from last year, but he's also fifth in birdie or better conversion percentage. So I think it feels like a really good spot for him. I know the ownership's starting to get kind of catch fire with him, but I think it's a spot where he has a chance to win this tournament and uh, he's also 48 to one in Vegas. And, you know, that's a ticket that I keep that I, I punched earlier today, but that's just a spot that I keep finding myself going back to. Yeah. Uh, I'm with you, Spencer. I love, love, love Cam Smith. Uh, we, we talk about him a lot on the show. I was all in back in November um, when no one was on him and he logged the t2 now um you know six months later gonna be a very popular option but it's tough to argue with him man uh this is his type of track uh, he can get up and down from anywhere um and like you said the form's been really good he's actually been playing really well with his irons gain gain strokes on approach in the last three starts uh some really good finishes the same can be said for matthew fitzpatrick who's looked really sharp in the u.s this year won multiple times uh, internationally already uh, but hadn't broke through in America, but, but Matthew Fitzpatrick seems like he's, he's coming. Uh, it seems like there's a win coming very soon. He's played solid in his previous trips to Augusta. So I think you can ride along with Cam Smith. You can look, look at Matt Fitzpatrick right there. Um, if it's going to be firmer and faster this year, I'm not as worried about the lack of length, uh, for, for guys like Fitzpatrick. Um, they're going to be getting the rollout on those drives. Uh, and, and we kind of jumped over two really, really good players, Scotty Scheffler and Hideki Matsuyama. Uh, Matsuyama's got great course history, uh, kind of sluggish form this year, hadn't really looked sharp, um, although he continuously gained strokes on approach. 
uh, and he's been an Augusta, Augusta beast. So I think you can look at Matsuyama there. Scheffler has a ton of talent, um, looked really good in his Augusta debut last year, uh, and you know, almost won the match play. So tons of options to look at here in the eights. Um, I'm with you. There's a couple guys I'm going to, I'm going to be completely fading. Um, Hatton's going to be one of those. <clears throat> I'll be underweight on him. Um, but there's a couple guys that I'll be kind of relying on here with, uh, Cam Smith and Daniel Berger sticking out as, as a couple of those guys. Yeah. I cannot agree more with you on the Cam Smith thought, uh, both you guys. Yeah. Bull, he's a bulldog on the golf course. He never gives up. We want that, especially, you know, there's possibility of some thunderstorms uh, Thursday, Friday. So, you know, if they get in some weird times and being out there for a long period of time, that, that bulldog attitude and grinding attitude will help definitely his game. But, guys, now we're getting into my guys right here. The the 7,000 range is, 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 is where my guys are going to – this is this is where – the people it's, I talk about, about every week. What heaven looks like to Andrew yeah. Andrew Putters. Sergio, Bubba, Casey, Scott, Day, Hazen. I mean, I can't go wrong with any of these guys, guy. I mean, here's the <laughs> problem, though. Sergio hasn't made a cut since he won. Uh, you know, what, I think, was he out for COVID for last in the fall? So, you know – Casey, surprisingly enough, has not had a lot of success here. Yeah, we know what Adam Scott does. If it gets faster, it gets probably the more uh, it plays into his hands. Uh, we need a, we need scores closer to par uh, for Scott. I, I feel like um, uh, I don't know, guys. What's your thoughts in this range? I mean, we're we're all in. Are we just going to be auto clicking Oostazen every year here for like the next decade? Well, let me say one thing. Let me just backtrack this really fast here. I want to touch on something that Joe said about Matthew Fitzpatrick. Okay. And and the, the one thing with that is, is the more difficult a course gets, the better Matthew Fitzpatrick usually is. So I really like where Joe's thinking that we'll, we'll move forward now with that. I just wanted to, uh, to just give Joe some credit there. Cause I think that's a very stout point that he brought up, but as far as Ustazen goes, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of at this position now that every single time I run a model, he's a positive equity play for me from what I'm looking for. You know, he has the short game. He's the putter that you want to see. I think Jason Day kind of fits that too. I don't think that comes as a shock to anybody that I'm going to come onto a show and talk about Jason Day whenever I get the opportunity to. But, you know, you have those two guys. I think Bubba's probably overvalued. I, I think you get a little bit name recognition from his multiple victories here. Uh, Sergio, as you said, Andrew, he's missed the cut the last two times after winning it in 2017. Casey is going to be the extreme chalk in this range. You know, he hasn't been good in the last two years. He hasn't, doesn't have better than a 38. Uh, he does have a sixth and a fourth in 2017 and 2016. My biggest concern when it comes to him is do we really trust him to win a major when it comes down the stretch? And maybe that's more of a, a betting standpoint than it is a DraftKings mentality there. And you could have said the same thing about Sergio until he got the job done. But I do have some concerns of, of him being able to get the job done. And then, you know, if we trickle it just a, a little bit lower in odds, like Abraham answers another guy who showed form here last year with his 13th. I don't know if he can maintain that. I'd be curious to hear what you guys think on him. But it is a really nice range here from like 7,400 to, 
I mean, if you want to say up to Sergio at 7,900, because I do think he has playability in spots, but it, it's a spot where, you know, millionaire makers are probably going to be decided if you can be correct on Scott or Day or Ustazen and, you know, find one of these guys that gives you a top five finish. I think there's a lot of uh, possibilities that you can gain over the field. Yeah, it's uh, it's veteran heaven through there, Andrew. Uh, I know you're trying to figure out how to play all these guys. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I would say the point he made, I, I actually like Casey the least, and he's uh, for my thoughts, uh, especially I even like him the least even more if he's going to be the chalkiest of the chalk here. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's the elephant in the room for me in this range is is Paul Casey's ownership. Uh, unquestionably, he feels underpriced to me, guys. Um, I hear where you're coming from, but this price is just so cheap um, that, it, that it almost forces you to consider him. Uh, but that said, when when he when his ownership starts getting up there to to these speed lock levels this week, you're talking twenty plus percent. Um, and in my mind, you have to start considering going all in or all out. Uh, kind of like we mentioned with Jordan Spieth, you I, I want to be really overweight on Paul Casey or really underweight on Paul Casey. Um, kind of the thing that helps are there are some really good pivots there. You know my history with Sergio Andrew, uh, especially in this event. Um, I had a really, really good week uh, the year that Sergio won, and I had a really, really bad week the the week that he hit five in the water. So, uh, you know, I, I actually like Sergio this week. I think the ball striking is there. Um, he's showing form. He's a veteran that knows how to play this course, and, and it just kind of feels like his arrow's pointing up coming into this week. Uh, where is Bubba? Uh, I, I, I maybe feel like it's going the other way. Um, I really liked his ball striking at the end of last year, locked him back in the November Masters. Um, nowhere near as, as kind of excited and optimistic about his chances this week. Adam Scott, I was a little concerned about the ball striking, but he played really, really well at the Honda which kind of has put me back on Adam Scott. Um, just a really classy player, a guy that we know can handle this golf course, has a tremendous record here. Um, and same can be said of Day and Louie. Um, just veterans that know how to play this course, both on some form this year. Um, so certainly guys you can look at. And kind of getting down to where where Spencer touched on, that AM answer Walking Neiman uh, coin flip there uh is very interesting to me neiman missed the november masters with covid um but he opened up this year with a couple of runner-ups and and man he he, the guy just feels like a star in the making excellent ball striker Uh, we know he's good off the tee we know he's very good on approach with a short game that can come and go um but but certainly has major championship type talent um answer i don't know that he possesses that type of natural talent uh that neiman does but you know, the guy's classy from tee to green. The irons have been looking good. He struggled around the green to start the year, but that's certainly coming coming along now. Um, so I think you can go either either place there, especially if you're you're looking to pivot off Paul Casey. Yeah, and, and I think that, like, if I was to power rate this range uh, from what we're looking at, and, and for the record, Paul Casey is the top guy for me in this range from an overall rank standpoint. I just worry about the ownership. I, I think there's other places to pivot. Like, I, I like Sergio. I like Jason Day. I like Louis Ustazen. I agree with you on Neiman. Neiman has the pedigree that can be somebody who competes here. Like, he has his miscut in his one effort. He was also, I mean, what, 20, 21 years old at the time when he played the Masters. I don't know how much we can take into account with that. The kid's quite the ball striker with a pedigree that, you know, can be a top 5, 10 player in the world. And as you mentioned with answer, 
you know, answer might be somebody that I might more so just from an ownership standpoint, he's 9%, throw him into some lineups. I don't necessarily expect him to win, but you know, in the same breath, I don't expect a lot of these guys to win down in this range. Like I'm not necessarily taking Neiman expecting a victory out of him, but at, you know, 12% at a guy at 7,400, I do think he can give you a top 10 showing in a tournament like this. Yeah. And, and another interesting kind of note between those two, Spencer, um, uh, I think Neiman I'm seeing, uh, if I'm right, let me know if I'm wrong, but I'm seeing Neiman like 50, 55 to one, uh, and seeing answer 75, 80 to one. So that kind of lets you know, um, you know, what, at least where Vegas has them as far as win equity goes. Yeah, you're correct with that. I mean, like, I think that's an important thing to look at when you are trying to piece together some of these things. Like if you have really close tie breaking decisions and you can't necessarily figure out which route you want to go with it. Look, a lot of times these guys that are priced next to each other will be in a head to head matchup against each other. Sometimes you can look at it like that. As Joe just mentioned, you know, there's, there's various prices in Vegas where there's different numbers. Like I've seen answer as high as 90. I've seen Neiman as high as 75. There's lower numbers there, but pretty much any book you look at Neiman is higher in his implied win probability with it. So I think when you, when you look at those things, like if you're trying to find somebody with a ton of upside, I would say Neiman's the way to go. If you're trying to find somebody, you know, who's maybe a little bit safer, that's going to give you a cut that you can get a 17th place finish from answer would probably be the guy that I'm going to pencil in there. And the one guy that I would like to talk about, I don't know if I'm going too far down now on the list. What are your guys' thoughts on Will Zalatoris? Well, I was first of all, I was getting ready to say, if those guys above are my guys, these next ones are Joe's guys. Neiman, Answer, Willie Z. He talks about, he's been talking about Willie Z since last August every week. He can't talk enough about him. Uh, I'm going to touch on your two guys you just talked about. I think Joaquin Neiman has zero winnability on this golf course because he, he is a great ball striker, but he's a low ball hitter. Low ball hitters do not naturally have success at Augusta. Same thing can be said about answer. Not that he's not a great ball striker, but uh, at times and a good putter, but uh, he just don't really, to me, have the type of game that has major success at this golf course. But like you said, uh, we were on faster conditions, so that might help. And like, like you also said, if you're looking for a top 10 possibility answer, it definitely fits that bill. I love Will Zalatoris on this golf course, though. Bombs away, Willie Z. Bombs away. Uh, yeah, yeah. Not not only bombs away, man, but the kid is is an absolutely sharp iron player. Um, ranks fifth in this field in strokes gained approach over the last twenty four rounds. Um, solid around the green, very good off the tee. Um, you know, we we don't like to target first timers at Augusta National, certainly, but um, this kid's kind of been breaking all the rules. Um, you know, since a top ten at Wingfoot, right? So. Uh, I've been on him. I'm going to stay on him. Um, maybe not as heavily as normal, uh, just because it is a, a first time situation for him at Augusta, but I, I just love the kid's game, man. I feel like he's, he's a star in the making and a player we're going to be seeing for years to come on the PGA tour. Um, as we move on down, Billy Horschel recently won the WGC match play, Justin Rose. Um, we know what type of pedigree he has, but there's certainly some concerns about him after, a withdrawal at the Arnold Palmer and then seeing the players. Max Homa's having a career year, one at Riviera. We know he plays very difficult golf course as well. Um, getting a second look at Augusta. So, you know, Homa's a guy that, that that I can see myself rostering this week down here as we get into the low sevens, high sixes. Matthew Wolf, I have absolutely no clue what's going on. If either of you guys 
uh, got got any thoughts to guide me on wolf, let me know. But I, I'm out for right now until I see something. Uh, Molinari, we kind of wanted to maybe get behind back in November, if you remember, Andrew. We were a little bit early. Um, he, he's played well in spurts this year, but you know, with all this value that's available and all the quality that's available, I, you know, I'm just I'm just crossing these guys like Matt Wolf, Molinari. Uh, you know, I'm crossing them off my list, honestly. Um, tell me if I'm wrong. Victor Perez is a really intriguing pivot for me right here at seven. Um, we got guys just below him and just above him that are go- that are going to garner a whole lot of ownership, uh, and he's a guy that we've seen play well, made it to the semifinals of the match play. Uh, we've seen him play well in Europe. Had a couple other good starts over here. Um, so so give me your thoughts on somebody like Perez as a GPP play, Spencer, and, and get us on down into the sixes, man. Some of these guys are going to be very, very popular this week. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, this range from, like, I mean, maybe Harris English can turn, the, turn it around a little bit to his early season form. Other than that, I mean, there's not too many guys that I, I'm extremely eager to play. Like, Homa, as you mentioned, would be somebody that – I would consider he's right now projected to be one of the higher owned guys in that, in this range. That's not necessarily something Victor Perez has the putting skills to maybe keep the form going that he showed at the match play. I'm out of Lowry and Molinari. I I think you're getting a, you know, a little bit of, they don't have much ownership with them, but you know, you have the major championship pedigree that I think some people want to go back to. And I just am not quite seeing it. And then, Matthew Wolf for me is almost every single week a guy that is just a fade. Like, I, I don't think he's as good as the perception is. And, and the one thing is, is that you always see him turn it around and then he keeps it going. Like when his form is bad, his form remains bad with it. So yeah. uh, I'm going to be mostly out of this range. And then just to backtrack again really fast to something that Andrew said, because I thought it was a really good point. When he was talking about these guys that are high ball flight hitters versus low ball flight hitters. A guy like Abraham Answer here, I ran something in my model that's called distance to apex. So it's essentially just taking your guys on par fours and fives to hit the ball really high and 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 long. And we know Answer's not a long hitter, but he's also a very low ball flight hitter. So he's 72nd for me in my model. I mean, that's something that Louie also had some problems with if we're just trying to pick some holes. Like if we're looking for guys that were a little bit above Scott and Day, uh, Bubba, Sergio, those are guys that hit the ball far and high with it. So I, I guess when it comes down to it, though, I'd rather be up in the high $7,000 range uh, in the $8,000 range versus this low 7,000s. And then when I want to uh, drop lower, I'm going to drop into the 6,000s. There's just not much here for me. Like a guy like Justin Rose has injury concerns coming into the week. Um, I, I don't know. I, Joe, I'll let you say the stat that you told me before the tournament or before we were talking about this for the tournament, but you know, maybe Rose can strike lightning in the bottle, but yeah, I mean, there's just not much for me here. Yeah. I think, I think the stats you're talking about Spencer is, uh, since 2015, the most birdies are better gained. Uh, Jordan Spieth leads away with like 106 or 109 and seconds, Justin Rose with 89, I believe. So huge drop off there between Spieth and, and the next highest, uh, guy with birdie or better, which is Justin Rose. Um, but yeah, there are injury concerns there. Uh, and, and I'm with you, man. I think there's a lot of fertile ground here in the sixes. Uh, we, we traditionally see this soft pricing at the masters. Sometimes we feel we can take advantage of it. Sometimes we can't, um, th- this feels like a slate we can, 
Um, a lot of people are going to be trying to take advantage of this Corey Connors price, man. Really out of whack, coming in at sixty nine hundred. Um, had a T ten here back in November and and has played beautifully this year. Uh, tremendous ball striker. Uh, ranks first actually in this field in strokes gained ball striking over the last twenty four rounds. Uh, top five in strokes gained approach. Top five in strokes gained the T T to green. Um, so this Con Corey Connors price is ridiculous. Uh, and his ownership's going to be ridiculous as a result. So I kind of feel like this is another spot. There's a there's a couple of hot spots on this salary scale, guys, um, where we're going to have to make some decisions. And Corey Connors is one. Paul Casey's one. Jordan Spieth's one. We're going to have to figure out what to do up at the top. Um, but but Connors is tough to ignore at this price. If you're looking at pivots, Kokrak, um, Andrew knows is always intriguing to me. He's kind of a pet player of mine. I uh, love his tee to green ability, but I, I do have concerns here around the green. He did get a start under his belt back in November, his first master start. So kind of glad to have that out of the way. Um, I'll be looking at Kokrak this week. And then we start talking about veterans, guys, and how important experience is. I think you've got to – it's gross, um, but you got to look at Matt Kuchar and Ian Poulter there at 6,800, guys that – you know, I've kind of recently shown some form. Uh, both guys played well in the match play, and and Kuchar played well at Valero. Andrew, tell me about your veterans down there, Kuchar and Poulter. What are you thinking? And it's it's just hard for me to get back on the Kuchar train ever since he stiffed that caddy down in Mexico, man. I, I just hadn't been – he hasn't had a good vibe since. And actually, like moral you said, he has reason. made – Moral reason. Yeah, he, he has made a turn uh, actually here in the last few weeks. been playing pretty well. Uh, you know, I, you know, I love me some Leishman, but the recent form has just been really, really bad. You know, a couple of missed cuts in a row, maybe some like upper top thirties. Uh, Ryan Harmon really, to me, don't hit it far enough to have success on this golf course. Uh, Woodland does, but you never know who what Woodland's going to show up. One that really does. I mean, I, I mean, I know Ian Poulter's coming off like what an eighty-five at Sawgrass or whatever he shot up in the eighties, but uh, I mean. If the course is playing firm and fast, you gotta love Ian Poulter to to dink around and make a bunch of pars and hit some par fives up and make some birdies. Uh, you know, really the again a name that's interesting to me, and I don't really know much about his game uh, other than he's uh, he's well known as CT Pan. Where we at on CT Pan? I've never mentioned his name in my entire life, but I want to get on him for some reason. Tied for seventh back in November, coming off a third uh, the Honda. Uh, am, am I crazy to say CT Pan? Well, I mean, if, if I'm looking at where he is on my model, he's 55th overall. Um, you know, he's 57th in his last 24 rounds around the green. He's 69th for me in putting, 62nd on fast bent grass. Okay. Uh, I mean, I'm trying to figure out where maybe, maybe there's something to look at here. I mean, he's uh, – Pretty yeah, decent in three putt percentage. He's in the top third of the field there, uh, which is going to come into play. I, he's not for me. Like, as I said, some of these guys that had these big performances in October, I'm willing to look the the other way on them uh, to an extent. Like, I'm not going to do it with Dustin, but with a guy like Pan, you know, I just it's hard for me to go down that direction where I do think there are other guys in that range that maybe possess a little bit more upside. Okay, yeah. give it give us some guys here in the low sixes you're looking at. We're looking at like Weisberger, Wallace, or maybe uh Zach Johnson. Uh who we who we looking at down here? Uh, I mean if we're we're parsing through some of these names here, like 
you know, a guy like Kevin Kisner, we can go through the same thing with Harmon. Like he may not have enough length for him to be able to compete here, but last year was the first time he had missed the cut. I I thought he showed a little bit of life at the match play. I mean, that's obviously his event, but maybe he can turn it on. Uh, He had a 21st before his missed cut in 2019. So it's not like he's been immune to posting a finish here. I think if we, if we go down a little bit further, Ryan Palmer at 6,500, he's going to be popular, but most of these guys that win the tournament at the Masters are top 30 ranked players in the world. Palmer's ranked, I believe, uh, he's in the top 30. He's like 27, 28, 29 in the world with it. And, you know, he's being priced as a guy that's nowhere near that range here. There are concerns with his short game. And then the one guy for me that I am really interested in, and he's going to be making his debut this week, would be Carlos Ortiz. And that's just because of his short game. Like, we saw it at concession. It was a really fiery course there where you had these undulating greens where the balls were, you know, rolling all over the place. And Ortiz came out and gave a 15th place there. And I think when you dip down into this range, like you're not necessarily, I think you're past the point of win equity for the most point or for the most part with this. But Ortiz is somebody that at least has some upside to where I'm going to bet him to be the uh, low debut here. Uh, He's 24 spots higher for me in my model than his price tag. So he's 56th on DraftKings in price. I have him overall 32nd. Uh, maybe Kevin Naw is another guy who can get hot. Once again, Andrew, that's another guy that's just not long enough you could make an argument for with it. And then once we get lower than that, like maybe Matt Jones continues it. He's added some length to his game recently, but it, there's a lot of sticky spots because like Zach Johnson, when he did well here and he won, he was a guy who played every single par five as a three-shotter. And I'm not so sure that that's the optimal game plan. Like the firepower now with these guys is just so hard to get past. And the same thing can be said about Brendan Todd. It's like, you just have all these guys low in this range where their win equity is very low. You're looking for a top 20, 25 from them. And uh, I'd rather take the guys that at least present a little bit more possibility to maybe, you know, crack out a top 15. Like to me, that would be Kisner. That'd be Nod, that'd be Ortiz. Uh, Palmer, as I mentioned, maybe you could make an argument that Christian Bezadenhout is a guy that could get hot with his putter. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'd be curious to hear where you guys are thinking of going. I got, I got the play down here, boys. Let's hear it. Siwoo. Siwoo's another guy. Yeah. Sixty-seven hundred Siwoo. Uh, a couple top 25s here in his last three master starts um playing much better um since he since he went with the uh kind of the Harmon coaching crew there um man he's kind of i don't know if you guys ever seen bull durham but uh he, he's kind of one of those guys with a million dollar arm and a five cent head um but but i feel like if if he's playing well it kind of kind of breeds confidence in siwoo and, and he's been playing well so i i really like him this week at 6700 uh, certainly a guy that sticks out to me here. Um, and a guy we saw play well last uh, November and, and pop up again last weekend at Valero, just kind of a ride the hot hand type of play. Sebastian Munoz there at 6,600. Um, had a T19 here back in November. Hasn't played well this year, um, but but he's the type of guy that's very streaky, can get hot. And maybe last week at Valero was the start of something for Sebastian Munoz. And... I very, very rarely roster him, um, but I feel like he's he's worth noting at this price just because he's he's just really prodigious off the tee, and that's Cameron Champ. Um, a, a lot of his stats, uh, I'm, I'm sure 
you know, Spencer can can kind of go. Those better than me. They're they're not going to look very good. Um, but at the end of the day, distance does matter in the modern game. Distance matters at Augusta National, and Can Champ has plenty of it. So I think at 6,600, if you're in GP, please looking for you know just a high upside uh, value play down here in the mid to low sixes. I think you got to give Cam Champ a look. Um, even though I would I would prefer a couple other guys over him. Just wanted to know him because. You know, I do think he's a talented guy. As we move on down, there's not a ton for me, honestly, guys. Um, you start getting into former champs, um, amateurs, you know, making their first start, uh, veterans. And there, there's just not much for me. I mean, once you get down to Lanto, and, and I think Andrew mentioned Zach Johnson, past that point, <clears throat> it's probably nowhere I'll be going. And really nowhere, <clears throat> really nowhere we need to go uh, with with all the value that's available on this salary scale. So, you know, that's probably the cutoff point for me this week. Yeah, I, I would agree with you on that. Like, I think that the pricing is so soft that you don't need to go any lower than the guys you mentioned. As far as champ goes, yeah, the stats are going to look horrible from the putting and the around the green. The one thing he has going for him is that the power is the great equalizer here. At least he has a skill set that if he's able to hit a bunch of greens in regulation, maybe he gets hot with the putter. He can turn this around. Munoz is another guy who's a streaky player that has upside where if you're looking for a GPP dart throw, I don't mind going there. And Siwoo, kind of the same thing can be said around him. He's a 10th for me in strokes gained around the green. He's 15th in par four average, uh, and he is another stat that I, I ran this week that I kind of like is I, I did a weighted par five. So it takes it, it encompasses like so when I ran all my stats, for the most part, I didn't just do like par five birdie or better percentage. I tried to encompass multiple stats into it because the Masters is a tournament where you kind of need everything to compete. So like when I when I looked at par five, I looked at par five birdie or better percentage. I looked at proximity from over 175 yards. And then the one that I liked is par five going for the green percentage. So these are guys that are trying to get to the green in two. And I think with the masters and Augusta being a venue that you're going to need to score on when you get to the par fives, especially when you get to the, the back two at 13 and 15, see woo for me is 20th in that stat. Munoz is 22nd and champ is 10th and Ian Palmer's eighth. If we want to, you know, just go a little bit lower so those are guys that are going to give themselves scoring opportunities. And I think for a GPP, sure, they might implode at some point in this tournament, but they at least give you that skill set that you're looking for to score and make a run up the leaderboard. Could not agree more. Could not agree more. Um, in closing, guys, well, I got to ask it, Spencer. First time ever, where's your heart at this week for Augusta? Oh, see if we can make this one for one and hit the winner here. I guess if I think the game of golf is better when Spieth is winning, I would like to see Jordan Spieth win here. I would say my heart is with Spieth. Uh, I think my brain is with Patrick Cantlay. I think Cantlay gets the job done and, and wins his first major this week. Joe, where's your heart at, bud? Man, you know my heart's with Jordan Spieth. I'm, I'm, I'm going with it. I'm going with my heart. I, I think there, there are uh, arguments to be made as far as game theory, uh, with what to do with Jordan speed this week. Um, you know, we, we've tried to tackle those as best we can for everybody kind of listening. 
uh, trying to figure out what to do with him. Uh, he's going to be extremely popular. But uh, we, we've talked about it. We've wanted this moment for two, three years, Andrew. Uh, we, we've talked about him multiple times over the years, Spencer, uh, kind of when, when tossed around one of them picks and stuff like that. So, I mean, here we are. Uh, we, we've waited on it. Uh, one last week at Valero has looked great. Um, you know, all the, all the arrows are pointing up. So, my boy Jordan Spieth, the heart play of the week. I'll tell you what. Wouldn't we love to see four shots clear, maybe starting the day at 11 under, Bryson and Jordan in the last group on Sunday. That would make all the TV ratings just pop like crazy. Uh, My heart also was with Jordan Spieth. um, So that means people just go ahead and just 100% ownership across the board. But uh, I'll tell you what, my mind is just – if we get this, if we get these thunderstorms, it's going to throw a wrench in it. So I mean, it could just be a luck of the draw kind of thing uh, with Thursday, Friday. But um, I'm gonna, I love the Patrick Cantray look, but I'm also going to give Patrick Reed a look. Patrick Reed is where my mind's at. Nobody's talking about him. Nobody's talking about him. He puts on a second green jacket and gives it the double bird to the crowd. Patrick Reed. <laughs> I like it. You know, I just to give a little bit of insight into the Vegas report I'm going to write this week, Reed is going to make my card. So I can't argue with you on that. I think that nobody's talking about him. You know, I I think he's for better or worse, one of the more hated guys in the game. That's not coming from me. I think that's just what the perception is around him. And I I think there's a lot of people that don't want to play him. And I think it makes for an interesting contrarian outlook for GPP contest. I think it makes for an interesting look because his odds get inflated in the outright market. And I could see Reed winning his second green jacket here. Yeah. The most, the most read, the most read thing ever would be for him to beat Jordan Spieth coming down the stretch on, on Sunday and just crush everybody's soul. I mean, that would just be a classic, classic read move. So it, it could very well happen. <laughs> Good call, Andrew. Yeah. And then, then and say, I'm the real Texan in the crowd or something like that. Some little line like that. Let's, anyway. let's, keep, let's keep DJ in mind too. Uh, I feel like uh, I feel like everybody's kind of down on DJ, uh, defending champion. Uh, not not too far removed from a really really dominant stretch of golf where he he far and away looked like the best player in the world. And I I don't know if I'm you know in the minority or majority, but I do feel like DJ's best is better than everybody else's. So keep DJ in mind. Might be a little a little sleeper. I like it. I think we're. I think we're going to be looking at a real exciting uh, 2021 Masters. Uh, hopefully, we'll get great weather. I know. I mean, they're looking at like 87 degrees Thursday, so I mean, it should be should be amazing. So, well, on the way out, folks, make sure you go to rotoballer.com. Use the promo code Nice or T Off Sports, uh, or is it just T Off? T Off, isn't it? Just T Off. Just T Off for the promo code. I'm here with Spencer T Off on Twitter. T Off Sports on Twitter at Joe Nicely. I'm Andrew Putters. Uh, if you want one of these hats, hit up our Twitter. Uh, the rules are simple. If you uh, if you don't win, you can buy one, but we do have limited ability, availability. So uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. Let's go uh, do the Masters 2021. This is the Turn Fancy Golf Podcast brought to you by Rotoballer.com. It's going to drive me. It's going to drive me crazy.